Welcome to the Happy Mindset. Today's episode is episode number 73 and today's episode title is called The Boudoir Photographer. So today I'm joined by Marina Meyer. Marina is a boudoir photographer and today's episode we explore how she arrived at this career choice for herself. Marina is originally from Kazakhstan which is a former country of the Soviet Union and today's episode she talks a little bit about the mindset shift she had to go on from moving country from Kazakhstan to Germany. She talks about how she arrived at boudoir photography, some of the things she had to overcome. She came from a very conservative background. So boudoir photography, I learned a lot from from listening to her. I never really came across boudoir photography before. In my understanding from what from speaking to her, it seemed to be about creating photographs of people which show their, their natural beauty, imperfections and all. So it's, a, it's also an erotic and sensual kind of uh, experience as well at times. So... I learned a lot from, from talking to Marina. She also recommended two very good books for me, which I have been listening to on Audible. So it's the first one was, uh, actually, sorry, I bought the first one in Estonia. I happened to see it in a bookshop. It was one of those things where I, I saw it and I was told about it. So Wabi Sabi. So I've been reading that. That explores uh, the Japanese word Wabi Sabi and the meaning that it can have for people and just this sense of it being an indescribable thing. The other book she recommended was Selfie. Selfie is a really interesting book. It talks about the, the mind and it talks about how the Western mind and the Eastern mind evolved over time. And it's a very fascinating read. It, it delves on different topics like suicide and, and different things of like why the self destructs in a incomprehensible way. So you, you, learn, you learn a lot from, from listening to it about the mind and how it can trick us and, and different things just to be aware of that, that we take for granted today in the Western world and in the Eastern world as well. So yeah, that is often a little bit of a tangent, but she recommended those two books to me. So it was a great conversation. I got a lot from talking to her and her recommendations. And I hope you get a lot from this conversation too. She talks a lot about the mindset, psychology of her journey, and uh, as well the art as well. I want to help uh, help myself understand the art behind photography as well. And Marina was a very good person to talk to about that. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for joining us today, Marina. Thank you, Dennis, for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So my first question is, who are you and what are you doing in the world today? Who I am? Oh, my gosh. That's a <laughs> straight away the very deep question. Who are you? Um, I'm a Marina. I'm a professional photographer, specialized in boudoir photography. Um, my um, background is Russian-German and now I live in Australia. Um, uh, yeah, that's me mm-hmm. <laughs> in a nutshell or part of me. Yeah. Well, so what's, um, what's boudoir for photography? Um, basically, I photograph people, um, mostly women, naked or half-naked. Um, yes, of course it's not all, (laughs) um, it's, Buddha photography is about, for me, is about, um, reconnection with yourself, accepting yourself, um, and your body in the state as it is right now with all the flaws, um, that society tells us are flaws, um, um, doesn't matter what age, size or shape is um loving it much but most not 
not, not really um, wholeheartedly, but at least accepting the body um, as it is. Um, accepting your sexuality and um, it's about um, expressing sensuality. Mm-hmm. That's for me, Buddha photography. So what led you to, uh, to boudoir photography in particular? Um, I think um, it's a kind of long story. So it's um, started when I started, uh, decided to do photography. Um, I wanted to find a place, a studio where I can do internship to have a look if it's the right thing for me. And it was about 18 years ago. So when I walked into a studio, um, one studio, opened the door and the first thing I saw on the opposite of the um, entrance was this uh, beautiful, huge wall art uh, with a pregnant woman um, and she was naked. And I was shocked. I was 20 years old and um, because of my background, I grew up quite um, in a conservative background and nudity and sexuality was taboos, never talked about. It was seeing dirty and... Um, so for me, it was shock um, seeing somebody exposing themselves naked um, and for everyone to see. Um, then I met the photographer who was working to studio and she was a lovely lady who I felt safe and trusted. When I started to work in the studio, I started to meet people, everyday people who um, were mothers and uh, teachers and doctors and um, coming from all the walks of life, um, I was getting to know them in their story and I, I realized then that there's nothing bad and dirty in Buddha photography or naked body or um, it is beautiful and uh, unique and it comes in different sizes and shapes and um, it was fascinating. Could you like describe that process? Like, like when you first saw that picture, and like, you were coming from your background, you were in a, you grew up in the Soviet Union, wasn't it? That was that's yes. uh, and so coming to this, then you got all this kind of just conditioning about it. Like, what was the process like of you letting go of that conditioning? Like, was it through meeting the people, hearing the stories, doing your work? Did it gradually start coming apart, or can you describe that kind of process? Well, I guess it was, there were so many factors coming together. So um, we were just recently moved uh, from Kazakhstan to Germany and everything was new, everything was different. So it was not just this part of my life that was different and new for me. And because also when we moved, I was still looking forward to our new life for a chance for me to study and uh, and... I came really open-minded to Germany and I wanted to, you know, not just see our, that's us, that's the way we live our life and that's them and that's the way they live their life. I wanted um, to get, you know, pick little bits and pieces that fit my life and mix them. And um, so when, when I walked into the studio, um, I was shocked, but I also was really keen to, you know, to study photography and, uh, or at least to, you know, have a trial and see if it's the right thing for me. But then also the 
uh, photographer um, who was there, that my mentor, she she was very kind and you know just the way she greeted me, I felt very safe that I kind of more or less forgotten about this image and it didn't matter so much. And um, I think there were challenges every day in my life, you know, that I was confronted with things that were unusual, out of my comfort zone. And um, and I guess I did make this decision almost every day, you know, do I, um, do I stay open and, and you know, um, first, look at it and see if it's something that's for me or not and make decision later and that was the moment like this when i decided you know i i want to see what it is and then make my mind about this if i like it or not and meeting the people and and you know getting to hear the stories and being trusted that was a big thing as well um, when the clients would come, because it was a traditional studio, a part of the Boudoir um, photography, it was quite a traditional studio. We did weddings and kits and photograph kits and, and families. And uh, so then I would meet the clients when they would come, for example, for a wedding. And then later, a year later, they would come for um, pregnancy images. And then later, they would come with a baby. So there were the connection to them already as a you know a normal uh, in a normal frame kind of so a traditional way so you would meet them as a um, Mr and Mrs and then there's a, the, there's a child and then you know their story he's a doctor she's a homestay mom and so on so there, there was this oh they, they are people like everyone like me like you. And then the woman might become uh, some session and what can be a session where she would like to, to give these images to her partner for anniversary of a birthday gift or not necessarily necessary partner. They, they were stories that, um, that are sad stories about divorce and um, some health issues that are, um, you know, transformative when when a woman gets a breast cancer and that's something she wants to do for herself um yeah that 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 was kind of a big thing for me that made this change in my life the, the change in the view of um life and and human body and nakedness and sexuality were you always like open-minded when you were growing up in Kazakhstan or was that something you developed as you moved the country? I think it's hard to tell. Um, was I always open-minded? I wanted, like most of the kids, be the good girl and do the right things and felt maybe conditioned that the love, the parental love was depending on how good I behave and how good I'm at school. But at the same time, um, I was maybe a little bit rebellious as well. And the part also why I'm doing the Buddha photography right now is when I was a teenager, that's where I realized how differently society treats men and women. Um, and especially how different society is treating men and women in Kazakhstan or like in my uh, environment, my family. And that 
I felt like so unfair and um, that's maybe also one of the little reasons why I'm doing good art photography because it's for me it's empowering most of my clients are women I do photograph men as well in couples but most of my clients are women and I feel even I don't like the worst empowering because I feel like it's overused recently a lot um, but it is I, for for the sake of not not snoring a better word for it, I would call it empowering. Um, that's also one of the reasons um, because I felt that women are, especially at that time where I was growing up, were um, under a lot of pressure and basically was you need to find a good man, marry him, and be a good wife and mother. And education and everything wasn't didn't matter much, or um, personality, or uh, you know, living the life the way you wanted to live, um, being different to to others, having different um, you know, sexuality was was not acceptable at all, and um, that's where I dedicate my work to. I help. I help people to accept their sexuality and sensuality and discover it sometimes and sometimes reconnect to it. Um, there are many different stories. When did you start realizing that that's what your work and what you were about? Um, probably when the first clients started crying when they, when they were seeing the images, but crying like happy tears and and sharing the stories and how I felt, you know, that I was giving my work more meaning. I know when I um, graduated and and I was uh, one of the best in my class, I also received a, a grant for further education, um, but I was so kind of unhappy, almost depressed. I was crying a lot and I didn't understand why. Until then, later I understood. Like I didn't feel that my work is creating creating photos, creating memories wasn't as um, meaningful enough. You know, I was thinking, oh, I should have become a doctor or a teacher or something that the world needs and not a luxury um, service. But then seeing clients, the change from conscious and nervous to being so relaxed and accepting themselves being themselves so creating to safe environment that they, they could be themselves and they could be happy and they they could see themselves in a different way that's where i realized i actually do something meaningful mm -hmm. So is that, is that where your sense of happiness comes from, from doing some, from feeling like you're doing meaningful work and, and you've got a, you've got that going or yeah. Where does your yeah. sense of happiness come from? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's where my sense of happiness comes. Doing something meaningful, helping others. It's, I find it's kind of, it just might be an egoistical thought, you know, like, um, that's, brings me happiness. That's my happiness. But at the same time, I think it's a win-win situation that you do something good, you see it, and you receive the energy back, and then that makes you happy as well. Mm, and you see the impact. 
So like for you starting off in Germany, like you, you didn't, you said as well, you didn't have the language at the start. How did you move? How did you start forging your path in Germany when it, at the, initially you didn't really have German and you didn't have English as well? You said English is, a, is an important language in Germany as well. Um, so we were lucky enough that how, when we moved to Germany, there was this program for um, immigrants from um, ex-Soviet Union. Um, who had the background, the German background, uh, which my family did. Um, so we went to, to a German language school, my dad and I. And then, because I wanted to study psychology, which is another story, um, for studying at university, um, there was another course that was extra for young people uh, wanting to study. So I, I think I went first, Six months I went to a German language school, then another four months I went to a um, German language school for, for young people. And um, it was just um, yeah, diving in and that was the environment, you know, like I, I could not, I could speak Russian with my parents and, and a couple of friends or family members, but everything else was, um, you know, in German and, and I was so... I think after I finished school in, in Kazakhstan, I, for one year, I didn't have anything to do. So, so I tried to study at university, but the fees were so high um, that my parents could not afford it. And we were living remote in this tiny village. So it was kind of complicated. The thing was that I spent at home for a year where most of my uh, peers were studying, doing something. And when we moved to Germany, you know, I was so hungry for um, knowledge, for progress, for doing something in my life that I just dived in. And so I was nervous and uh, conscious about my language knowledge, but I just, you know, tried to talk with my feet and my <laughs> uh, face expressions and whatever limited language knowledge I had. So to communicate with people in all possible life situations. And then when I went to school, I was just, you know, accelerating it and, and helping that I was seeing, oh my God, how great it is. You can communicate with so many people. And um, I think that that was also a big part of it. So did you start learning about body language at the same time there, it sounds like? Or were you aware of body language and the importance of being expressive and stuff before you started learning German? No, <laughs> I don't know. Not, not, not consciously, I would say. But it's like when you, when you got something, you need something to, to do. You know, you you got your family at home, your brother and mother and father and the grandparents, and then um, there is issue with water or whatever it is, you know. And then you go to the um, shop or where, and you, you kind of you have to fix this situation. Mm -hmm. And if you're the the one who got the most uh, ability in the language, which is still extremely limited, but from the whole family, and there was this responsibility, and you know. You got to do what you got to do, and then you try to explain. And if you don't know what the um, tap called in, in German, then you try to draw, or you try to explain, or you know, you use your hands, you use everything to 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 communicate with the person. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. 
what what drew you, you mentioned psychology as well. What, what what drew you to psychology, or what was your interest part by? Uh, I to be honest, I don't know exactly what it was. I was just fascinating. Like I think realization at some stage again in teenager years, realization that there is not the life is not black and white. The people are not good or bad people. The good people do bad things and bad things happen to good people and bad people do good things and, and good things happen to them as well. So I think that was the realization. And then also the curiosity. Why do we behave the way we behave? Why do we do the things we do? Why do we say the things we do? Uh, why do we fall in love? Why, why we do um pull out of the love and and so on why um some people are kind and nice and other are stubborn and um nasty so that was the fascinating for me about psychology so like where did those questions lead you then when you're asking those questions did they lead you to the boudoir photography immediately or was there some intermediate intermediary things that happened before that Do, well they're totally independent i mean the the question about psychology they were in when I was what 15 16 17 but then moving to Germany and all the language things and then the school things and it was too much and um, I also don't know what's happened <laughs> to my brain in that time as well um, when I remember when I was 15 writing an essay at school about my life how I see my life I was saying you know I want to have a career, I want to study and I want to be independent. I don't want to be like most women in my life who I know who got married quite early and became, you know, wife and mother and are partly unhappy. Um, and so that's all I did not want. But then we moved to Germany and I married when I was 20, just before I started to study photography. And that's also is where I, just before that, I thought, oh, study psychology, it's, it takes so much time. I would have to go back to school um, to catch up on two more years at school and then university and it takes so long. Oh my gosh, I want to earn money. I want to be independent right now. But at the same time, I got married. Um, so, you know, it's kind of contradictory being independent, always for me at least. So because I, it's not like I believe when you're married, you're not independent, not at all. Uh, but at that stage in my life, it was basically finding a good man who will take care of you and the family financially and, um, you know, other things. So um, that's for me why, why I think that was contradiction saying I want to be independent and then getting married. Um, because my, my ex-husband was also from um, Kazakhstan and he was living in Germany. So we had a quite similar um, background, how we grew up and what the values were, you know, how um, a family life looks like, mm. what, what it is, means to, to get married and live together and, and um, become a family. So basically it was more, um, okay, if I can't do psychology, then let's do something else, something that, you know, still inspire you and, and um, 
make it, you know, life. If you spend so many hours and years working in some field, which for me also was at that time, if you learn something, you study something, you start to work, it's something you do for your whole life. It's not like now you see so often people changing careers, people changing the workplaces and also things they're doing quite frequently. And at that stage, in Kazakhstan, or still in Germany, it was even like 20 years ago, it was quite same. So people would usually work at the same place 20, 30 years. And um, that was, I was conscious about as well, choosing my part, um, my path in life was, or choosing my um, trade was very important that I choose something that I enjoy as well. And um, then the photography came as an idea because as a um, child, I was quite creative. I loved doing drawing things and um, even wanted to become a cartoonist. And um, then, so photography came as a, something nearest. And Buddha photography, as I said before, I wasn't at all on my radar at that time. I didn't even know that existed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah. I, I glad I did choose this part and I see a lot of psychology when I do my work that is like working with people, there's psychology involved, even, you know, if you do not realize it. Um, yeah. Could you explain that? Like what, what are some of the psychology you see to uh, like photography and, and helping people to, I guess, share their story in a picture in pictures as well. Is that some of what you do um, as well? Like, do you, do you help people to share their story through the different pictures you take of them? Like, are you conscious of that? Or, like, yeah, could you explain the psychology part to what you do? It, it is partly to share the story. It is a process itself, before the shoot, during the shoot, preparation to the shoot. Um, I have, my policy is I do not photograph anyone now who I haven't met before or haven't had conversation before um, because the connection and trust is very important part of the process and uh, I want my clients to feel safe, safe to be themselves, to express themselves and as I say so often they came from a background you know where they experienced something traumatic, it could be divorce or breakup, it could be health issues, um, so there could be some trauma from the past, not accepting their sexuality. And uh, they all need a safe environment to be themselves. And that's the way why the clients who choose to photography, it's they are already on the path of self-love and acceptance. And that's just one step on it. And there's something special, almost magical for me, to see the photograph of yourself because we do not see ourselves in the mirror the way everybody else sees us. I mean, beside of, you know, a day is long and we do express different emotions and, you know, depending on what angle you look at a person, this person looks differently anytime. A photograph is just a, a moment in time, a little tiny, tiny moment in time. But still, when we look at ourselves, we see ourselves in the mirror and it is a mirror way. When somebody else looks at you, they, they see your, the way 
you know, the, you know, the sight of your face is, is different than you see yourself. So it's for all, for anyone is more or less a bit weird to look at the photograph of yourself because it looks differently than what we see in the mirror. But the people who used to a lot of selfies and like in this generation when we bombarded with all the photographs, we see ourselves more often um, on selfies, on photographs. But before that, it was even weird to see yourself. Doesn't matter how nice you look, it's just still tiny bit weird because it's a different way you look at yourself in the mirror. And um, it's something also healing in when there are photographs of you. So there's a person who's photographing you, you're being vulnerable and open, if you're being vulnerable and open. Um, letting somebody look at you and letting yourself to be seen, that can be healing. Because if, if somebody got this trauma, uh, abusive relationship, um, when they felt they, they, they are not good enough, they're nothing, when they are constantly would get this message, you're nothing, you're nothing, you're nothing, no one wants you. And then, at some, you know, going through a process of healing and doing this step of, you know, choosing to do boudoir photography in a safe environment when you are seen and then getting tangible reminder of it, you are enough, you're more than enough and you're being seen by somebody with loving eyes. And then you can start to see yourself or with, with loving eyes as well. Mm. Do you see a big contrast between the work you do and, and like just like the mainstream? Do you see any messages, like any contrast in the messages between like what you're doing there and just like what you see in society on a daily basis and, so, and the social platforms and stuff? Yes, I do. Um, so it's it was also a part of my journey as a photographer and learning experience when I've been working in a studio as a manager um, and, and a teacher for um, four or five years. And um, it was a digital era, which is still now as well, but when I burnt out and I realized why did I burn out? Because it wasn't so much about the connection with people. It was about pushing the button and creating images one after another, one after another. And uh, that sitting in front of a computer with the clients, showing them the images you just created and hearing the client to um, you know, criticize themselves um, in a really abusive way, you know, um, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm old, um, hearing that constantly from almost each client and then them asking to make them look younger and slimmer, that would be, you know, everyday basis of my work. And I would spend hours and hours editing these images and then look at them and look at the client and see two different person. Editing the soul out of people because I believe the wrinkles and all the flaws that was, uh, society tell us uh, that is um, not acceptable, like having wrinkles for women. Um, and you know, before that, I was I was thinking, you know, you know, no one can tell me how I feel about myself. But 
when you get these messages frequently everywhere, it's in magazines, it's on social media, Instagram and Facebook, it's um, on TV, everywhere. You see the billboards, you see the um, advertisement for, um, for creams, face creams that make your look 10 years younger or remove the wrinkles, that the message we're receiving that being old is not good. Showing the, um, the aging um, on your skin as a person is, is something not good. You have to be ashamed uh, of, you have to hide it, you have to buy all these uh, expensive creams and um, then you will be look, looking young and acceptable and um, you will be loved and you will be good enough. And um, that's, that's what I think most of my clients and everyone is exposed to. Mm. And that's why with the digital photography and all the possibilities when um, photographers advertise, you know, be a star for a day, be a model for a day, feel like a princess and so on. And um, doing heavy makeovers and then also spending hours retouching these images, airbrushing them. You know, we all know that the models in the magazines are don't look the way that these models look in their um, life, in the real life. We kind of all understand that the images on social media, all these um, styled images are, and created images and picked, um, you know, done 10, 20 images and you pick the one that's the best and you put it on Instagram and telling everyone, look how perfect my life is. That it's not the real life, that's not true. But still, we compare ourselves, all life and ourselves, our appearance to all these perfect, um, edited, corrected images on, on social media. And that makes us feel terrible. It makes us feel we are inadequate and not, uh, not good enough. Mm. So that's when, when I burned out because of that as well. So we were talking before that, that I, I realized, you know, how meaningful my work is for women when I photograph a boudoir. Um, that was the opposite of meaningful. That was about appearance. It was um, the English word. Empty. Vanity. What's that? About the vanity. Vanity, vanity yeah. yeah. And... As I say, I was editing out the soul of um, the people out of the images. And, and, and that was the opposite of meaningful. Mm-hmm. They were superficial. And, and that was for me the crucial moment where I was even thinking about quitting photography completely or redefining it for myself. And that's where I kind of got back to the beginnings when I first walked into this one studio with the naked woman um, on the wall with, with uh, a wall art of a naked woman and why I really loved the photography at the time, what did inspire me, what, what gave me so much joy. It's a deep connection and trust um, from my clients and the time I would spend that with them and what, you know, the results, how that um, were affecting them. Um, that's where I also realized I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to photograph kids or families or weddings anymore. 
I really want to, to do Buddha only. I want to spend time with each client individual. I want to get to know them and I want to capture the uniqueness. I want to help them either, you know, discover a newer side of themselves um, through the shoot or reconnect to themselves to the part that they feel like they lost by becoming a wife and a mother and um, caring for many years for other people or um, adapting to their new life situation and so on. So that, oh, that for me was also not heavily editing the images, not altering the bodies because uh, what brings it, um, it gives me or what would give it to them if I photograph them in an edit they would look at the images and think, oh, wow, I look so five years younger and 10 kilos lighter. But then, you know, deep inside, they know that's not the truth. That's how they look on the image. But in real life, if they're honest to themselves, they know that's not, that's not true. So it's just getting to um, validation and comments on Facebook saying, oh, my God, you look amazing. But everyone knows. Um, it's like um, with the, the new dress, the king's new dress, the, the fairy tale. Or did the emperor's that? emperor's uh, did the emperor's clothes? <laughs> I I don't know. Like it's it's difficult for me because I know yeah. this fairy tale in in Russian, um, and I know that it's in German as well and in English. But I don't know. Like translating it, um, I try to translate words to words. But yeah, when, when the king got his dress, which wasn't dressed, he was naked and everyone just was afraid to tell, you know, that he is actually naked. And everyone's saying, wow, his dress is so beautiful. Um, and that's how I feel it's what's happening now when um, we edit our pictures heavily uh, using um, Photoshop or any filters and stuff and then posting these images and everyone says oh my god you look amazing and you think oh thank you thank you thank you thank you but in real life everyone knows you know that that's not how you look mm. that you use the filter heavily to edit his image and the persons who commenting and giving you compliments for his image knows exactly that you don't look in real life like this mm. Yeah, it's just making us more neurotic and insecure, I think, in the long term. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, did it take long, that time frame from, like, so you were photographing there for a while, you felt, you, like, it seemed like you felt empty inside, and it was just, like, editing, and you burnt yourself out, and you decided you were either going to quit photography or redefine it. Did it take you long before you walked into that, um, that place where you saw the woman on the wall then, the boudoir photography? You remember, did that take long for that to come out? You mean from burning out to remembering the the first day? Also, did you did you come across that woman before you burnt out? Like, you know, the woman where you yeah, did that come after or did that come before oh, you burnt no, out? That was the very first encounter with photo studio. The woman on the wall, the the, the, the wall art of a naked woman. That was. Mm -hmm. The very first time when I walked in the studio when I wanted to become a photographer. Okay. And then I saw this image of the naked woman. And, um, you know, the first, first instinct was for me to turn around and run away because, you know, that was almost 20 years ago. It's, I like that, though, because, like, so you, have, you were doing something, you felt like there wasn't much meaning to it. 
and the meaning and the connection was hidden by something that you were confronted by. Because I think this, I don't think yeah. this is an unusual thing. I think a lot of us are confronted by stuff, but we don't notice that meaning and connection on, on the other side because we don't allow ourselves to open our mind to the possibility that there's something beyond that conditioned view of the world. So I like yeah. um, what happened there. Yeah, so it was kind of full circle, you know, when, when I started to study photography, that was the first thing that I saw this uh, image of a woman who was naked and I was confronted and, but then I, I stayed there because I, I really was keen to, to get the chance of internship in a photo studio and that's where, like, my view, my world completely turned upside down. And then I love photography for so many years. And then on, on the way somewhere, I started to lose this passion and love because of so many things coming together. It, it, it was supposed to be my journey, I guess. Um, so then the digital photography came in, the, the editing and so on. And then moving forward, um, I mean, there is personal um, stuff going on in my life as well that I got divorced and I went away or went to Australia for a year traveling around and learning a new language and um, kind of starting my life from zero again and and being open and um, experiencing new things that were outside of my comfort zone but you know not in my professional world anymore, but in my personal life. And um, then coming back to Germany and starting this job, not with my best friend, you know, my mentor, who, who became then my best friend also, but working in a different environment as well. And um, that led to, to burnout as well. And then when, when I was thinking about quitting photography, because I just could not continue the way, and I just felt so sad and I felt like, oh, is it so many years wasted of my life? What else could I do? What else could I imagine doing? And there was nothing. There was nothing that was interesting me at the time. Um, but then um, I think there was a technique that I heard from somewhere, I don't know where, that, you know, just think about what does give you joy in the work you do. You know, because it wasn't just that I was coming to studio to my work and hated everything and everyone, that there were still moments of joy in between. I just needed to maybe stay still and think about them. And um, I just was so overwhelmed with all the negative feeling, with all the feeling of, you know, I hate, I hate his job, I can't do it anymore, that I was blind. To, to the positive um, part shift, of it. Shifting your and focus. I, yeah, so when I sat still and I thought about this, that were, um, that this technique helped me to redefine it for me. We're not completely pushing it away from me, but redefining it for me. And that's where, um, where I, I was thinking about, well, hang on, what, what did actually, what was so, um, profound when I started studying photography what was so different what did give me joy and at first I was so like everything everything I did love kids uh, photographing kids I did love photographing families and weddings and why do I hate weddings so much now but it was more well what did change from then 
how the way weddings were 20 years ago, the way we photo, used to photograph weddings 20 years ago are different to ways we do it now. And the same is with the portraits with family and kids. It was for me like five years ago when I had this burnout, it was about rushing, making, you know, in a short amount of time, photographing as um, many photos as possible, as many people as possible. And it was more, more, more money, more, more people, more, more photographing, more of everything. Um, also, you needed to create, um, you know, this latest background or special effects. And it was a big competition between studios and also the competition against uh, mobile phones and digital cameras that were so accessible for everyone. There was so much fear for professional photographers, you know, they had this status quo before. Um, in the 60s, uh, in the 70s, in the 80s, and even the beginning of the 90s, not as many people could afford this expensive professional camera, but even if they did, not many people could afford to spend so much time learning it and, um, you know, getting the experience to create amazing photography. Um, but also the photography is not so much about the technique and um, it's more about the connection with the person you photograph. I found with the digital photography, it wasn't any more about the connection and it wasn't so much about the expensive camera gear. It was about shoot 100, 200 images. You might get lucky to get one or two great shots and then you can doctor a little bit on them using some filters and editing and voila you got something beautiful beautiful uh flawless looking younger or whatever um that was was you know my life at that time as a photographer and i was burning out it was just too much too overwhelming too little meaning or no meaning at all in the, in the work doing and it was yeah now back to back to the roots back to the beginning and finding the yeah where was the joy what was so meaningful and how can i recreate it now mm. that's really cool so like in order to redefine it, you had to shift your focus from the overwhelming negative to what were the positives that brought you to photography in the first place and then start focusing on that. Is that that's kind of the process there, was it? Yes, yes. And I have to say it wasn't easy. It wasn't because there was a much a lot of fear in it as well. Like how just a step going from photographing kids and families and weddings and boudoir as well to only photographing boudoir there were the questions like do, do will i get enough clients because the message i was receiving before you need to offer as much as possible you need to be adaptive to the market and or offer more different things that you can you know create more different things that you can offer to your clients to get as many clients as possible to survive to to get enough money and um also going not just doing boudoir but also only doing boudoir in black and white and not photographing in color anymore um that was another factor 
that I felt deep inside I really, really wanted to get there, but I, I really felt so scared that well, you're, you're excluding so many people, potential clients. And then the next step was reducing editing to a bare minimum, using our Photoshop only to remove maybe a, a bruise or a pimple. That's something that is temporary there, but not editing any, any wrinkles or scars or anything that is permanent there that is a part of a personality that's part of a person living life that's are the um you know proof for the like a roadmap or um you know the expressing of the character they're all the smiles and the tears that are in in their face it's yeah mm -hmm. so you're going against like the conventional wisdom of the day you're pretty much kind of going against this against the the flow against the stream, I guess. Uh, yeah. Was it difficult as well? Like what people would think was it, was there people in your life that didn't understand what you were doing and stuff? Like, did you find that frustrating if there were? <laughs> yes. Well, actually, um, my parents are not exactly the people who uh, understand what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Um, they, they kind of accept that. We don't talk much about this, um, um, but it's okay. Um, there are, People also, you know, when I go to networking events and people ask, what do you do? And I say, uh, you know, I'm a good art photographer. Some people don't know what that means at all. Some people do know or they think they know, but uh, I can tell, uh, you know, when I see the expression in their face um, and their reaction and, and choose things to tell uh, after that introduction, that they sometimes think it's something um, playboy style photography. Do some um, people kind of glaze over and not listen when they hear like nude or whatever? Do they start an assumptions and they glaze over or? Yes, or well, they're, they're different directions. A woman often would say, or, oh my God, or, why? Why would somebody, you know, get themselves half naked in front of a camera um, or I would never do that um, uh, or I wish I have done it 20 years ago um, man's reaction is often I guess because they maybe not do not understand what it is exactly what it's about um, reaction is also mixed sometimes they try to make some jokes about um, it um, and even when I try to explain, you know, my philosophy in that I don't edit much, I don't, um, I really want to capture them as they are, um, I would get a lot of requests, you know, can you make me look like this? Can you make me look like that? Um, and it's all in a kind of joking way, but for me, I just see often there is insecurity, there is, um, something they feel confronted with and um and sometimes just you know they were maybe not never you know knew about this and never saw thought about this it's 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 totally new for them and they just for the first time first encounter with his philosophy and his idea about accepting your body and being 
you know, yourself and, and having this experience um, of being yourself in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. Do you have any, any book recommendation? You recommended two books to me. I started listening to Celsi, which is very interesting because like we're talking about there, the, um, just the way we look at the world, we take it for granted that this is reality. I think they mentioned something about, they're talking about Western, how the Western mind evolved and the Eastern mind evolved. And just the assumptions that we take for granted nowadays kind of opens your eyes to that. So glad you recommended that. Do you have any book recommendation for, for people listening in? Yes. Um, one book is really like I want everybody to read this book. It's called The Beauty Myth from Naomi Wolf, I think. I'm not the best one to remember the names, but I'm quite sure it's Naomi Wolf. Um, the Beauty Myth was written, I think, in the late 80s. So it's quite an old book uh, and a quite big book. It's a very well-researched book. And um, I was reading it or listening to to audio version of it. And there were some moments I was... I wanted to cry some moments I felt helpless and depressed and some moments I felt I really need to do something. Um, yeah, it's, it's, everybody needs to read this book, The Beauty Myth. So, yeah, it sounds like an interesting book again. And uh, do, you, do you have any actual final message for anybody listening in and they're looking to, I guess, explore more of a creative pattern life or they want to redefine what they're doing right now as well. A message for somebody who would like to redefine their life. Um, I think the first message would be, uh, I feel like everybody feels like we're looking at others. We feel, oh, they, they've got their shit together. And I don't. And I think in reality, everybody feels the same but i look at a person next to me and i think this person got uh their shit together this person probably looks at me and thinks the same thing it is okay not to know where to go not not having a clue you know which direction to to choose um it, it's totally okay it's totally okay not to have all your shit together and um I think we are overthinking often. Um, I think we are overthinking. <laughs> um, uh, you know, like maybe take everything with a grain of salt. Not to take everything and especially ourselves too seriously. Sometimes it's good to let it go and, and just be. Mm. Yeah, and um, so that, that's, that's a thing. That's would be my advice how to to choose your path and how to redefine yourself when we stop overthinking and go with the flow a little bit that's where we can see you know what is true for us Mm. just be a little bit open-minded experiencing new things yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still on my journey. I'm still, I, I feel like I experienced a lot and I came a big way with, with my journey in photography. I feel proud 
in one moment, but the next time I look at, at my work and I think, oh, you know, you could improve so much. Mm. And they're, they're, they're constantly up and down. And that's, um, I guess that's life, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. So how would somebody find you if they wanted to work with you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they can't, can find me on Facebook and Instagram and also on the web, website. Um, it's um, www.photographer-marina.com and the same for the Facebook and Instagram. It's Photographer Marina. Perfect. Cool. Check, they should check that stuff out. So um, thanks again for, for sharing your story, Marina. It was great hearing like the, the journey you've gone on, moving from Kazakhstan to Germany and overcoming language barriers, understanding body language better, psychology, photographing people, finding your niche as well out of like following your own, uh, your own pattern life and being willing to go upstream as well. So thanks for sharing. There's lots of value there. Thanks again. Thank you, Dennis. My pleasure. So until next time, have fun and enjoy the process. Thank you.